All right, Tom, how's it going? Yeah, really good, thank you. How are you? Very good. Yes, I'm back stateside after three weeks in the UK, which was all good fun and games. You got a lot of the bad weather in the UK, didn't you? Mixed bag, yeah. Mm. Mixed bag, yes. Came back to my house here in normally rainy Seattle to find my lawn completely brown, even though I took the sprinkler to water it. It's been baking hot. Wow. There you go. Yeah, like the rest of Europe, apart from the UK. Yeah, on fire, isn't it? Wow. Yeah, yeah, literally. Literally Mm. on fire. United were metaphorically on fire for some of pre-season. We haven't really covered any of the pre-season so far, so I guess we can all smash them together. United 2, Leeds nil. United 2, Arsenal nil. United 1, Leon nil. And then United 1, Wrexham 3. Does that really count since it was the under-23s? <laughs> I guess we can talk about it. Yeah, 23s and Johnny Evans. <laughs> 23s and Johnny Evans, yeah. Like zero appearances for United, 200 and something for Johnny Evans or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, United against Leeds in Leon, not Leon in Oslo. It's kind of interesting because you know United have a strong history of supporting Scandinavia or right across mm-hmm. Scandinavia, but particularly in Norway, a really good turnout. I think both both United and Leeds fans and a decent game from United. Yeah, it was good. Like I said, it was a good atmosphere. It was nice. Obviously, Leeds are historically supported in in a lot of Europe, and yeah, like you say, Scandinavia and. We, we've, I think we've played for the past two or three seasons in, in Norway now, haven't we? Yeah, um, I mean, it always used to be like that would be because before US and Asian tours were the thing yeah. to do, it was Scandinavia and Ireland. Yeah, and obviously Hansen Aaron played as well in the second half and was yep. good. He's been good in all the games, to be fair. He's yeah, probably one yeah. of our Not best so players great last night Gregson against last night, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, no, no one really stood out last night to be honest. Yeah, we'll get onto that one because I, I kind of think Hannibal was pretty good, but it's, it's kind of interesting decision yeah. the club have to make about that. This one, I guess, what was it? Noel Emeron scored, kind of Noam Emeron, yeah. sorry, not Noel. Noam Emeron made a bit of a name which for is, himself. Nice goal. Which is really funny because, I mean, he's what, 21, 20 maybe, kind of coming towards the end of the cycle, I guess, of being a United youth player. And it was kind yeah. of a nice little moment for him because he's not going to ever be good enough to make it into the United first team. He's just not got that talent talent or ceiling. So it was nice for him to kind of have a moment like that, really, because like, it's probably, one I would say, one of the weaker players in that kind of batch of players. Yeah. So it's it was kind of funny for him to score. And the, the goal, that the first goal, What's his name? Who scored it? Not Charlie McNeil. It was... Hugh Gill. Hugh Gill scored, wasn't it? It took it beautifully. Like really kind of showing what Sancho in the first half, what he should have done because there was a pass that I think he was laid on by Ahmad or maybe Hannibal. And Sancho kind of tried to control it with his studs and just he just went under it, whereas he could have just taken it first time a little bit like Hugo did in the second half, which is... Yeah, I, I, I was really quite disappointed with Sancho in that first game. I thought, like, I really wanted to see him start quickly or start with intensity, but he was quite poor. He's come on really yeah. well, I think, in the next two games. But, yeah, I was, I was kind of a little bit concerned, thinking, oh, my God, if this is how you're starting, I really wanted to see you start well and get some confidence. And, 
and, and see some intensity. But I thought as a whole, like United were pretty good in that first game. Like, it, it's really hard Leeds to make assessments, show, isn't it? It, of... is, it is in preseason. I mean, and it's always, I think, in that kind of game like Leeds and a bit like Wrexham last night, those types of teams when they're the underdog and they've got a lot to play for, they're going to show up. They're going to really treat, yeah. treat you quite seriously. Leon didn't at all. And I guess Arsenal lesser, but like, yeah, the, the likes of Wrexham and Leeds, this is, these are massive games for them. And I think that's why last night, especially, was so feisty. Um, and I think that's right. Yeah. I guess you want in free season, I think sometimes. And that Leeds, Leeds one was a good one. Well, Ten Hag has talked about it. He said he wanted more intensity about the Arsenal game. And I guess that was a good, good measure. I don't know whether United are ahead or behind Arsenal in terms of their fitness and preparation. Haven't really been following what, what's been going on there. They played the MLS All Stars, didn't they, and beat them five 0 which is yeah, no, good. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, kind of reflection of the standard of MLS. Um, I think we'll it get is onto yeah, that a little bit with Lionel Messi coming this side of the pond, but yeah, not much intensity really in the the Leeds game from United. Sancho's been interesting because uh, you mentioned him because he's played false nine in a few of these games, hasn't mm. he? And it just felt like. Ten Hag maybe testing it out just in case United can't land a striker. Is this a, a role that Sancho could play? I was just writing a newsletter about it. 1,500 words on Jaden Sancho is a false nine. Yeah, good stuff. And, and just like likelihood is that United get Erasmus Hoyland. It seems like they'll come to an seems agreement like on the price there. But an option is there. He's a great, he's a really good finisher, Sancho. I think as we saw in the Arsenal game, where he actually yeah. managed to sprint away from a defender and then lashed into the into the roof of the net. He's a, and we saw it at Dortmund, great finisher. It's the intensity in this game that we're always worried about, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and like the him showing up for showing up in games and like wanting the ball and demanding it and getting it and being trusted by his teammates. That that bit's been lacking, but the finishing quality is really high. So anyway, kind of interesting that he might provide an option there, perhaps. Yeah, because there's not that many options around. I feel like his movement is is a big worry for me as well. Like sometimes he just he just stands still and always just kind of watches like like the old fashioned kind of schoolboy phrase where you just like say always oh, a bit of or you're ball watching and like I feel like he does that a lot I kind of just admires what's going on around him but yeah it was also like you say really interesting that he spent away from I think it was Gabe Gabriel who made the mistake yeah he's obviously not going to be that slow it's funny just to see players when when they get into stride because usually you see them trying to take on a man but when they get into stride they're like okay you're actually not that slow or like I it's always that kind of perception when you see like certain movements on the pitch where you kind of think that oh someone is really slow but they're actually not at all it's just kind of the the pattern of the game or, or the scene of the game at the time I, I just like i said there's few, there's very few options in that number 9 position or false 9 position obviously you got rashford like yeah Martial's yeah, going yeah. to come back, but and then who else are you really going to play? I mean, I mean, Martial's I, starting I, the season injured. What, what, like, what are we going to expect from the? I mean, he's not going to get sold yeah. because no one will take on his wages. You know, yeah. have to subsidise it, and Ten Hag likes him, so they'll they'll keep him for the next year, and he'll be around, and he'll score some goals, and we'll go, oh, isn't Martial an option? <laughs> and then he'll get injured again. Like, same old, same old. Like <laughs> Literally, like, not, not learning from our mistakes. We know this film and we know how it ends. 
mm-hmm. I don't expect anything different. But and then Rashford's kind of interesting because he scored thirty goals last season, but most of them were from the left side. And I, I think he gets the space, he gets the ball in front of him, he cut inside and shoot, and it just, I think it allows him more flexibility playing from that. You know, I flip flopped on this over the years, thinking he could play number nine, but I don't think he's really ever developed into that kind of player. Even if he comes a little deeper, you know, a la Harry Kane, rather than sort of playing with his back to goal, even if he's that more false nine than nine, this doesn't seem to suit him. And I'm sure that's why United are after. I mean, it's obviously why United are after a, a striker. And and in Hoyland, they're going to have if they secure him. Like someone who's quite traditional, I would say, as a yeah. as a number nine. Yeah, he reminds me a little bit of like Van Persie when he was a little bit younger. Like he can occupy the spaces on on the on the on the on wide, the flanks. Yeah, yeah, on the flanks on on the left and right. But he's clearly better through the middle. It's because he's kind of got that. It's not. I wouldn't really call him like like lightning quick, but he's 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 quick enough and. It feels like he, yeah, like he can play across the front three, but he's he's also great at holding up the ball. Like Hoyland, yeah. like his close touch is great. Like he's really, really strong. It's like when you kind of compare that to like Marcus Rashford, like he Rashford's not great at that. When he's got a man on his back, he's not that great yeah. at just holding. He's, you he's want not, him to stick his ass out a bit more, don't you? Yeah, he he's really not like he's that, not yeah. strong because like you saw like a few occasions last season where like he's really like tenacious when he and he needs to get a shot away but like he's kind of like back to goal stuff yeah he hasn't he hasn't got an arse he's just got like a flat back hasn't he like an ironing board back whereas like Hoyland yeah he has got more more about him and he's a strapping lad I just feel like it's such a risk to to put the the number nine pressure on one lad who's had one season in Serie A and scored what nine or ten goals like he's, he's absolutely yeah, opinion, it's a massive risk like, the eye yeah. test is is good like it, just you're looking at him him and what he can bring all his attributes and you're thinking yeah like this guy could be great but you're saying that very early about 20 year old who's had one season in a top five league and it's Serie A as well we've seen how strikers in Serie A adapt to the Premier League or other leagues around the world like Chiro Mobile scores shitloads of goals in in Serie I couldn't even make it at, at Dortmund like mm. yeah it's 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 a it's a difficult lead to transition from especially but but like he has got he has got the attributes like I say like from the eye test he looks very very good yeah well I mean the gold scenario would be that United dump 150 million on Kane and Hoyland and have a young one that, and, yeah, and, and a no-risk one, as Ten Hag put it. But it, it seems very unlikely to happen unless... Uh, and there were reports earlier in the week that Joe Lewis has instructed Daniel Levy to sell Kane and not, not let him leave on a free, which is kind of interesting because uh, we're now hearing that Joe Lewis has been indicted by the SEC, well, the Southern District in New York for insider trading. I mean, just absolutely incredible, the documents. I, I mean, I know I'm getting off track here, but absolutely incredible. First, the press conference. And then the documents, him giving tips to his girlfriend. I imagine, like, risking wow. spending decades. Well, he hasn't got decades, but potentially, because it's really long sentences for this kind of stuff sometimes, just to uh, impress your girlfriend, you know? <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, just bonkers, bonkers. Anyway, Joe is not officially the owner of Tottenham because he transferred ownership, even though it's really, strictly speaking, the Joe Lewis, the Lewis Family Trust. 
It's one of those ones. Uh, when he passed the owners and directors test, well, not if he gets convicted, is he actually an owner and director? Yeah. Not really. Is he actually in control? Yeah, I think we think he probably is. <laughs> so anyway, a side, a side issue on the Harry Kane thing. So you know, clearly United are taking a massive risk with Hoyland. They'd be taking a risk with Randall Muani as well because I mean, yeah. he scored a few goals in the Bundesliga. He looks interesting. I think he's one of those players who plays right across the, the front three, but it, it seems like his price is not short of not much short of Harry Kane's either, right? And he doesn't mm-hmm. exactly have the record to say, yeah, we're definitely he's definitely buying an elite striker in in him. You know, Gonzalo yeah. Ramos looks like him to PSG maybe on if the Mbappe situation resolves itself one way or t'other. So yeah, who knows? It's just to say it's a it's a really difficult market for strikers this summer. Yeah, Maybe it is. always is because they come at a premium. Yeah, and and obviously, like in these this day and age, like they are lesser lesser spotted beings as the kind of number nine is slowly dropped out, out of fashion, favor. Yeah. But, yeah, but like you think of like Vlaovic as well, who's kind of been linked to a few top clubs, but I, I don't think he's particularly an upgrade on Hoyland. He scores more goals currently, but he's a few years older. It's just it's difficult to find. Yeah, they're difficult to find and. Like you say, they do come at a massive premium as well, especially when someone knows that you're desperate for a striker. They're not exactly hiding yeah. very well. Sancho played false nine again in the game against Lyon. Where was that played? Murrayfield. Yes. Murrayfield. Not much, no, kind of, not much going on for that game. I mean, Mount played again. We've seen him a few times. Kobe Mainu played. Mainu's been. Uh, I don't think, I don't think uh, Mainu excellent. played in the Leeds game, did he? Or maybe came in the second half. Can't remember now. But he's looked good. Yeah, I think maybe my new came on in the second half against Leeds yeah, and then started so. against Leon. So he's looked really good. I mean, he really does look like an option. And apparently they're not prepared to send him out on loan just because Ten Hag loves him. Yeah, he's different. He's, he's he really looks like a player. I think I, I think in preseason we've cut we get we get these kind of misconceptions about players. I remember that season where Jesse Lingard was the next thing since sliced bread and then Zidane Iqbal has been great, was great I think maybe last season in pre-season and, but I think with Kobe Mainu it's, it's, it's a little bit different like it's hard to truly explain it when you just watch but like I think that the, the physicality is 100% there like sometimes in these types of games there's so much space that you can just look good. Like I think that's why Zidane Iqbal can look really good in what well, did look really good in friendly games because he's got so much time and space and he, he was awesome when he, he had loads of time and space. But what I think Mainu's great at is in those tight spaces and when being physically pressed because he's technically so good. He's but really to have good, that yeah. defensive side and that physicality side, it makes you such a... A, a, an asset as a defensive midfielder to, to, to be able to do both a little bit like yeah. I think Hannibal can do in in a lot of yeah. ways. I think I think he has the physicality and the technicality. And, and, I wouldn't trust I Hannibal as a defensive midfielder. I mean, he's no, so many definitely red cards. not. Whereas <laughs> like Mane, yeah. seems to have more intelligence about him. I think he's tidier. Or he's definitely tidier. Like, yeah. I don't want to like go crazy about him, but like there's so much about Manu, which I think, yeah, he looks he looks like a an actual player. That you, you that talked about the eye test, is, and the 18, eye test 19, tells you yeah. that he's he's like 
his ceiling looks really high. I mean, mm-hmm. 18 year old hasn't even really had that much football for the under 23s, really. No. And uh, what a couple of couple of sub appearances for the first team prior to this preseason. So, like, there's not a lot of record to go on, but it just yeah, it just looks technically great. I wouldn't necessarily peg him as a pure defensive midfielder either. No. It feels more sort of box to box. He can do a lot, right? His passing yeah. range is good. Not outstanding, but it's good. His physicality, great, technically really good. A lot of strings to his bow. You can see why Ten Hag is very excited about this one, but yeah. It's a long way to go to establish himself. But if United don't get another midfielder, although there's a lot of talk about Amrabat from Fiorentina, obviously, and who basically plays in the same position. And that would, I mean, very different different types of player, for sure. But if Amrabat comes in, then Manu's chances this season are going to be fewer because I guess we're looking at Manu potentially being a sort of, what, understudy to Casemiro? Mm-hmm. Or plays a fewer, few lesser game substitute appearances, like maybe reduce the workload a little bit, something like that. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because when you're not in the Europa League and you're in the Champions League as well, like the well, not hard the, to give not the games. The, yeah, rotate not that ten hour rotated that much in the Europa League last season anyway. But like, it's it's just hard. Yeah, it's hard to get give give, give games at this club when every game is so important and every game is so, I don't want to be like very sky sports about this, but every game is so difficult in the Premier League and like, and you're just throwing a a lad in to sink or swim really. Like, and it's, that's what's so difficult about blood in youngsters at a club like Man United. And it's so much easier at a team like Brighton. I think we spoke about when we, we were speaking about Brighton before there's there's so little let less pressure to sink or swim, whereas yeah, it's it's, it's difficult yeah, yeah. to come straight into the team. You almost think like a loan might be better at a Premier League club or or something like that. But he's so good, then yeah, it's 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 difficult at this stage really to right. go in, especially as a player in centre midfield. Fifteen starts across all competitions, and like the same again sub appearances. You wonder. You wonder whether it's beneficial, more beneficial to go out alone. Because you kind of saw this with Hannibal. I thought the maturity of his performance against Wrexham in an otherwise pretty crappy performance from United kind of stood out as a player who played 50 games last season for Birmingham yeah. in the Championship. You know, And I'm, I'm sure that really helped his development a lot. And, and he's always had the technical, very high technical ceiling, Hannibal. And the question was, could he impose himself on games? And I felt like he did to the extent that he could in, in that team last night. And and that's what you're looking for from a loan. That, you know, because they, they can go disastrously wrong. You drop down yeah. a division, you don't get enough games, the team's not doing well, they sack their coach. We had this bizarre thing with Ethan Laird where he was having a great time at Swansea and they moved him to Bournemouth and he didn't get any games anymore. Or you get injuries and all these things can go wrong. Best case scenario, you play a lot of games, you build a lot of maturity... Uh, and you're ready to make the step up, you know, and and yeah, but but Ten Hag apparently likes to keep players he's assessing close to him, so yeah. he can he can take a look at them, and if he feels like training is going to be better for a better development pathway than dropping down into the championship and getting forty odd games, then okay, you know, and he does seem to be very hands on with the younger players, Ten Hag. Yeah, 
it must smell it must help you to grow so much as a player like when you're just used to playing 23s in front of four or five hundred people every single week and the people they're watching aren't really that invested anyway they're kind of just watching because they're interested in the game whereas you're playing I don't know with Hannibal's sake at Birmingham where all the fans are like ferociously behind you or Ahmad where you're getting into a playoff situation and and you're scoring in that playoff game it must make you feel on top of the world like you're playing for a proper club where people watching you really really care and that must lift you so much if you've got that type of personality where you really thrive upon those situations which especially like Hannibal looks like he definitely did and and, and Ahmad obviously like that was proof in the pudding as well like yeah it, it can help you massively so but yeah it, it'll be interesting to see what he does with 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 Kobe Maney like you say it seems like he wants to keep him around and right now you look at like the squad depth I guess it makes sense to and yeah, potentially is good enough as well. Like, yeah, who knows? Uh, but. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know whether the Amrabat stuff is real or whether it's agent talk. He, obviously, it's another player who spent time in Holland, and there's the links there. And Ten Hag seems to trust himself as head scout as much as the <laughs> yeah. the head the head scout. And well, given United's record over the last ten years, yeah, why not? I suppose, but it, it does seem to be a pathway for for United's recruitment at the moment. But it kind of, I, I don't want to say about Amrabat. I mean, obviously, he had a very good World Cup with Morocco, and he's had like the, that was his stage. I always saw him as like a, just a little bit of a powder puff player, and that he just he passes the ball nicely, but doesn't really do anything else. He doesn't tackle. That's not he's doesn't do that. He doesn't score or create, and so hmm. What is he? You know, he gets in good positions and he recycles the ball really well. Feels like a sort of Michael Carrick light. But maybe that's just my biases. Yeah, I don't think he's... Yeah, and he's not as intelligent as or as technically gifted, I don't think, as Michael Carrick. He can't play a pass like Carrick, in my opinion. Yeah, and he, I, it, he's good. But I think there's a reason he's at Fiorentina at his age. And yeah. there's no, there's not loads and loads of clubs after him at, the, at this point as well. Like, like you say, he had a great World Cup for a, a, in a team where he he would thrive because of that. I think that energy that Morocco have, I think that really suited him and his style. And obviously, they got went on the crest of a wave, didn't they? That side, but I, I feel like he'd be a very much like a, an old school signing off a World Cup, like El Hadji Juf or something like that. Like. It feels like going back to those days. I don't know what he would. I think. I think it'd be a good signing. I think he'd be a signing a bit like. I've already forgot his name. So, bit like was last season. Like he'd be a good solid, solid squad addition. But I don't think that's what we need right now. We've kind of got right. Fred as someone who's kind of exactly good, yeah. But not the good Fred enough. and McTominay are there already. So, yeah. like, do United need to go spend money? And and of course, neither of them are really good enough. But if they're prepared to be squad players, which I assume McTominay would be, maybe Fred not. I don't know. I mean, he's got a year left on his contract. Maybe he just wants to run it down and take one last big payday. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. It's a, it, it's a, it seems a little odd to me. And and again, it may just be agents looking for new. A new contractor that's sort of widely reported at this stage. Anything else? No, I was trying to think of anything notable about the Leon game. Johnny Evans played. Yes. 
has been an interesting short-term Sorry. signing. I'm not sure if he's going to play any more games for United other than that one against Wrexham last night in the Leon game. Yeah, it uh, wasn't great. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Ten Hag was really praised him a lot, but you know, I like when Tom, Ten Hag talks about a player, I trust what he's saying in public 0%. Oh, yeah. 100%. He's absolutely ruthless behind the scenes and says nice things <laughs> yeah. about everyone in public. <laughs> so, yeah. Which I love. Which I love. Because... Yeah, sure. He's doing the right thing. He's got a 100%. very clear idea about what he wants, and, and United have not been a ruthless club at all. In fact, the no. complete opposite. Years of injuries and underperformance. Great. We'll reward you with a pay rise and a new Basically, five-year Basically, acting like a charity for years. Yeah, exactly for crappy footballers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. But, you know, he was like, I'm taking out some quotes and he, he said so many positive things about Ronaldo before he dumped him. Uh, and so many positive things about, he's still saying positive things about Harry Maguire. Yeah. While never starting him. Uh, United played what, 60 odd games last season. Maguire started 16 of them across wow. all competitions. I mean, he's, and I think it was eight in the Premier League or something like that. It's, you know, this is not an important player. He's maybe fourth or fifth choice, mm. but he's still saying nice things about him every week. He said great things about David De Gea almost yeah. daily yeah. before like, ripping a contract offer away from him and send packing and sending him on his way. Ruthless. Yeah, uh, which, which I love, but yeah, not to be trusted. Not to be trusted. Anyway, so yeah, him saying nice things about Johnny Evans. I'm not expecting a contract offer there. I think it was uh, it's suitable for like squad management in pre-season and Evans needs to get fit. Yeah, it's a good idea. Like in the same way as like Tom Huddleston's playing for the under-23s, it's a good, it's a good little person to have around the squad and in games you can yeah i know the younger players can learn from and stuff it was really funny to see tommy huddleston on the on the bench for on the bench yesterday yeah yeah i, I did i double take that's like i i know tom huddleston i remember this i remember him being in the under 23 squad is that really to, I, i'd totally forgotten clearly yeah and i'm like that's tom huddleston what's tom huddleston? why is why is he on the bench I i'm really confused what's going on so before it clicked could have brought him on I know, for their great game against Netflix finest Wrexham. Yeah, which was feisty as hell. I don't know if that were, are we on to that yet? Or no, we still got Oh, uh, yeah, why not? We're going all over the place. Yeah, it was really feisty, yeah. And there, there were a few tackles flying in. Hannibal got really wound up on more than one Shock. occasion. <laughs> yeah, what a, what a surprise. Yeah, he's, he's always dialed up to 11, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, and whatever game it is, it could be an under twenty three game. It could be a World Cup final. It could be a friendly. He's literally playing yeah. with the same mentality every week. Well, his introduction against Liverpool, he came on and kicked <laughs> Saudi Arabia's Jordan Henderson around the pitch, which was that was beautiful. Uh, well, Chef's perfect at the time, and, and that was even probably the best thing of that season. Yeah. And then Ranić was still like moaning about it. Just kick the scouters. That's all you need to know. Kick them. <laughs> So, yeah, I was going to say, we haven't talked about the Arsenal game, but we're on to the Wrexham game. Yeah, feisty, like tackles going in. Wrexham, obviously, they're taking it very seriously. They're playing a lot of long balls and long crosses, which obviously yeah, they've identified a weakness in United's back line there. Clearly, a, a weird crossover of very inexperienced and Johnny Evans yeah. in the back line, <laughs> which didn't quite gel. And uh, and then Nathan Bishop like cleaning out 
what's his name? Mullen. Mullen, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of not awesomely timed intervention there, I'd say. No. So. Puncturing the poor lads up long. Yeah. I I mean, hopefully it's not too serious. I, I had joked on Twitter and a few people had to go at me that, yeah, this is a nice narrative arc for <laughs> Maiden Wrexham 3. The redemption <laughs> story, the recovery from Nasty Man United killing him. It was a joke, people. So I hope he's all right. Punch and Lug can obviously be extremely serious or or quickly recovered from. So I'm hoping it's the the latter. Yeah, it was just a. Well, Bishop didn't have the greatest nights. In fairness, no. And it was kind of like a, a sign of like the the way that he played. Really, like he was a bit kind of suspect and a bit dodgy. And I think that moment was just a yeah, just a moment of unsureness. Should I go? Should I stay? Probably the last time we'll see him anyway at United. He's going to leave this summer. He's 23 and clearly he needs to be somewhere. And he did have a lot of games last season, but he needs to to take it and move away for sure. But I mean, it must be difficult for like a a lot of them lads playing yesterday. I mean, like Wrexham, their first team would have been playing in front of like big crowds, especially towards the end of the season when they were like close to going up and everything. Yeah. Whereas, like most of our boys wouldn't have played in front of that many people, like week in, like most weeks. Obviously, a few of them had loans and stuff, but like playing in front of that many people on a stage for Man United, I know it was kind of Man United under twenty threes, but it must have been like quite a daunting, like prospect. Right. And I think a few of them stood up to the play. Like Gerardo, I thought was great. I took his score really Scored. well. Scored. Yeah. Yeah. And Gerardo, Fernandez looked really all right on the all left the games, hand side. To be fair. He has his good play, and, and uh, I guess there's a question mark about his future as well. Mm-hmm. What happens to him next? Does he move away? There's been a lot of talk about that. Dan Gora gets sent off. Yeah, had a good been great. Putting the cross for, the, for Van der Beek's goal against Leon. Great cross there. Played a yeah. more midfield role last night. Deeply unlucky to get sent off. I mean, clearly, I think if VAR was in place, that would get overturned, but maybe, maybe Bishop would have got a red instead. <laughs> so... Maybe, but maybe I thought it, it was the foul the other way. In... Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, stud, I mean, he... His stud was on, like, on Gore's shin, really. Yeah, and, and Gore's studs were in the turf, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, was, it was a weird game. I remember when, um, a few years ago, Notts County played a, a friendly against Juventus, and Notts County beat Juventus in that game 1-0. But, like, at the time, like, obviously, County, I'm, like, delighted, and I... I I'm from Nottingham, so like loads of the fans were going crazy about it. But like that's literally like their their peak of their season, really. And a bit like last night, like, and I think that's a really good thing. Like, if like you say with like Ten Hag, like really asking for more intensity, like that is a really good thing that kept, like is it is would have been on like last night because like Dan Gore would and a few of the other lads played in the friendlies so far, which especially I mean the Leon game had no intensity to it at yeah. all. And it's a real step up. I know we're playing against the team who were in the fifth tier last season and compared to a team like Leon or Leeds or, or Arsenal. But sometimes you can't you can't fake that intensity when when a team turns up and they really, really want to put it on you, they're gonna be throwing like massive long yeah. throw ins, big long free kicks, corners, big big men. Like that is great practice for the season and it's great practice for senior football if 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 you've been just tap, tippy-tapping around at the under-23s or in these friendlies and looking good because you've got loads of time on the ball, that was kind yeah. of like a, 
a moment where like, okay, this is what senior football is all about. And that's what, well, I that's, think what training, right, yeah. that's what, like, it might've been a loss, but it's a good learning curve for the lads, I think. I mean, there's a few question marks over some of the lads in that team. Charlotte Shoratiri's had a few loans away. He's getting to the point where calls going to have to be made about him. Hannibal, we've talked about. I really hope they don't sell Hannibal. I mean, it'd be great if they could find him alone in the Premier League, not in the Championship. Hanson Aronson, he's younger, a couple of years younger, isn't he? So, but uh, there'll be questions about where he goes. Fernandez, not a pathway into the Alvaro Fernandez, not a pathway into the first team for him. Even though I think he's he looks like a really good prospect mm-hmm. at left back. Spent money on Tyrone Molassi. He's done okay. Did Molassi do enough to, to to challenge Luke Shaw for a place? No. no. So. Uh, Fernandez, there's question mark there. Bishop's definitely going to go. Wilfish has got another loan out to Hibernian. It's going to going to happen again. So a few question marks over the players there. But that, they, that's the point, isn't it? Right, the point of under twenty threes, under eighteens pathways to find. I was going to say find first team players, not be a good team, right? I, I guess in the modern world, it's also to either find first team players or sell them for decent yeah. amounts of money to help your FFP position, which City and Chelsea have done very successfully. Mm. City seem to spend, I mean, I don't want to get all conspiracy theorists about this, but they're selling their players for bonkers money. James Trafford looks a decent keeper, had zero minutes in the Premier League. Who's the guy they sold to Southampton for like 15 million or something? Uh, I've forgotten his name. Just happens to be a coach at Southampton who was at City. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Southampton Um, bought loads of them last year, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, and then they're going to make a big profit on Lavia. Yeah, so yeah. and and people trust City's academy, and I, I don't want to get too conspiracy theory about it. It's it's it is reliable at producing high quality players. A bunch of them haven't gone anywhere either. That have been sold for lots of money. Yeah. If you look down the list of all the players they've sold, forty something in the last few years. So wow. it, it's not a guaranteed pathway to success, but it's a guaranteed pathway to money for Manchester City who clearly need it because they're an absolutely legit football club that has no state funding whatsoever. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Didn't talk about Arsenal. That's probably the best performance of the lot, wasn't it? I mean, it was yeah, uh, it intense. Was. Yeah. And United gave them a kicking, which all the Arsenal fans moaned about, which was good. Yeah. I like Ten Hag they- on the sideline. Like it's, I know it's friendly season, but like he, he wasn't in friendly mood at all. Which- God, no. Which I like to see, as like, because when the season comes around and you've not been intense in in preseason, like, how do you turn that? I just really? suddenly turn it on, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you, and we've got to start fast. Like, there's there's going to be so many teams fighting for top four, and I think that's what our goal, I guess, is this season. I can't see us challenging for the title with Rasmus Hoyland as our number nine. I'm not saying that it's bad, but like, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to to challenge this season, especially when like Liverpool have made so many strides and City are gonna be great again. And Arsenal should probably be up there. Chelsea, Newcastle maybe haven't strengthened as much as we thought, but they still might do. It's gonna be difficult to to yeah, to vie for that top four. We need to start fast. So I do really, really like the intensity that we went on. I didn't really I, I didn't get the um the penalty shootout <laughs> madness. <laughs> Very His odd. idea was yeah. that. I know, like, I don't I know, like, know. It's such an American thing to do, but like, we don't do that in America usually. Like, 
it's really weird. No, I mean, and they weren't running with the ball from the halfway line or wherever it used to be in the, <laughs> the old, olden that days of MLS. Yeah. Oh, it would have been epic. Yeah, I don't know whose idea it was. There was some one report I read that it was Ten Hag and Arteta had put it together because they wanted some kind of match situation penalty shootout. That sounds weird. I don't know why they'd bother because it wasn't a match situation penalty shootout. The match was done and it didn't count for anything. So it was yeah. all very odd. The, oh, the other, uh, and I'm sorry, we have quite a lot of American listeners. So, you know. Close your ears if you don't want to be offended. But the other very American moment was the crowd in San Diego last night booing Kovar when he came on in the second <laughs> half because they didn't realise it was a different goalkeeper. <laughs> Just funny. perfect. Just perfect, yeah. The other, the other yeah. thing, did you notice in that state? I've not, I've not been to that stadium, but part of the section literally had armchairs yeah, I saw that. Big... Yeah, oh. that's a great idea. Maybe. Yeah, I think uh, hot tubs are like cricket grounds. So, yeah, you want to? <laughs> yeah, if we could bring that in, I'm probably. I'm, I reckon there's probably American ground in in over there somewhere that must have hot tubs in there. That'd be quite good, wouldn't it? Actually, sitting in the hot tub watching cricket with a few tinnies. It would. Yeah, I'd do that. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, Barbie. Is it like as in a barbecue, not Barbie. A barbecue. Bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. What better way to spend a, an afternoon or a, a day? Yeah. Anyway, United, uh, we're recording this before United play Real Madrid, which is tonight, one thirty in the morning, British time, I think. So Real Madrid, Dortmund, Lens, Athletic, Athletic Club, Athletic Bilbao, as our four remaining. Um, warm-up games and it's kind of it's kind of good because I think everyone's getting about the right number of minutes really feels like a really long pre-season but no one's playing 90 minutes really yeah yeah it's basically it's kind of been like two teams one team per half hasn't it so far yeah but yeah it's I guess we've seen starting to see the senior players play a bit more and I think that what was good about that Wrexham game yesterday was that even some of the kind of the fringe youngsters, the ones who were kind of around the first team, like like Hannibal and and Fernandez, could still get some decent game time when they're unlikely to be playing in these. I guess well, they're obviously not going to be playing against Real Madrid, but so they can get a few more minutes under their belt. And but then it also makes me question: Is the reason why Hannibal and and Fernandez are with that Wrexham team is that because they're not going to be they're not in his plans? Part of the squad. Know. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a, sig- a signal, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So, or Ten Hag was at the game, Williams, so maybe like Brandon Williams was yeah. with the first team against Arsenal. Yeah, interesting because he's got no. I mean, what's he needs to be somewhere else, Brandon Williams. I mean, I, I really thought he would have made it when he first came into the team. I was yeah. like, yeah, this guy's got something, both in terms of attitude and and quality. But it, it's obviously not happened for him. There's no point in him hanging around for another season. I mean, he spent most of last season injured, but. Yeah, uh, he's got he was two one players of ahead of him in both positions. So. Yeah, I think he was one of those that it was more attitude than ability when he came through. Like on, like looking at it in hindsight, because I, I thought the same. I thought he was, I thought he was going to be really, really good. But I think his attitude and his mentality was so good, it almost maybe maybe papered over a few of the right the technical deficiencies. Deficiencies, yeah. and I think that's maybe when he went to Norwich, it was kind of those technical deficiencies were maybe highlighted a little bit more in a, in a weaker team. 
Mm. But I mean, not that that United team was very strong at the time. But yeah, he was really good when he first came through, wasn't he? I think like he's better than Shaw. He's better than Shaw. Yeah, well, quite. I mean, hopefully Luke Shaw has another good season because it's danger territory. I think. Yeah, yes. he's been. Malassi wasn't really competition for him. I mean, he was at the beginning of last season. Obviously, Shaw got Shaw didn't start last season very well, and Malassi came in and sort of spurred Shaw to have a good season. He clearly needs that. Clearly. And so if he's in the first team at the beginning of the season, not playing well, because hmm. <laughs> he might be thinking that he's not. Under- it's like David De Gea. He just needed the competition to be good, didn't he? In the yeah. late stage, David De Gea. It feels like a, an expensive strategy, though, to just buy a, buy a new left back every season. <laughs> yeah. Just to keep our other one better. <laughs> Well, I, okay, we've we sort of touched on the transfer window, but like, there's a few there's a few things to clear up now. Like the the we well, we talked a little bit, I think, on one of the previous pods about Mason Mount. I think maybe I talked with Dan, but we've seen a bit of him now. I think he'll be good addition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's it's not a it's not a game changer, is it? But he's he's a good addition. He's 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 an upgrade on Savage, so he's going to play at number eight, I think. And then we haven't seen Andre Anana. Will we see him? Will he be in the squad for Real Madrid? He's, he went over to the States, didn't he? Yeah, I think, I think it's rumoured that he'll be, be playing tonight. That'd be nice to see. I'm really looking I'm looking forward to the stylistic change because oh, it's just, yeah. you couldn't get more different, could you, as a goalkeeper yeah, in terms of like how he wants to play. But, David De Gea had a nosebleed if he ever came out of his six-yard blocks and, and just... You could see him visibly panic if the ball was at his feet. <laughs> Adrian Arno is like, if we see him dribble up to the halfway line or knock some 60-yard passes around, it won't be a surprise, will it? Yeah, I know. And that's what's kind of been interesting in pre-season. Like, we've been able to play out like, quite nicely around the back. Like, Kovar's really good with his feet. He's really good with his feet, yeah. And then you kind of like, wow, this is what a Man United team might look like. Like, with a guy who can kick with both feet and pass like a weight that's actually he's intending to. And then, yeah, that's hopefully it's going to go up another level where we've got Onana in goal, which I think Onana is more like a Neuer than a, than an Edison, like a, a guy who's not like Edison can pass the ball, like a, like Paul Scholes kind of thing. Whereas like Neuer is, I think more of a, <coughs> sorry, uh, I guess a, a mover, move, he moves with the ball like really well. Like, and I think that's what Anana can do brilliantly. Like, and also can play with both feet. And yeah, he's going to be such an asset. It's going to be, yeah, it's just what, what we've been dreaming of for so many years to have a, a have a competently footballing keeper. It's going to be an absolute classic when he lets one through his legs in his first appearance, then, isn't it? And, <laughs> the and internet think, will melt. And I, I and I genuinely think that there is like rickets in him. Like we've seen that in the past. Like, yeah, there's we have. been like high profile errors that he's made, and and he's not as good of a shot stopper as David De Gea. But like David De Gea at his peak was probably the best shot stopper the Premier League's ever seen. So it's tough to 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 be at that level, but. I think we need to be patient with him and we need to realise what we're getting. We're not getting the best shot-stopping goalkeeper in the world. We're getting it in the same way as Edison's not the best shot-stopping goalkeeper in the world, but he's such an asset to City in the same way as Anana will be a great asset to United. And 
but yeah, this is just like what the online world is like these days. Like you have football <laughs> offline yeah. where you can kind of talk about it like logically and and with nuance, and then you have the online world where you've just got to kind of be scared of someone having a ricket because you're just going to have all these weird children and man babies just screaming and cry more. Like on oh all those God, kind there's of like a lot of that. about it, aren't there? Yeah. But there's, that is definitely going to happen, like you say, as soon as he makes an error. Cry more. That would, no, I don't even want to think about it. So we talked about Hoyland, Rasmus Hoyland, maybe coming in, Anana, Mount, outgoings. We've seen Alex Tellez depart to Saudi Arabia. I forget which club. Sorry. I think it's uh, Alex club. No. Al Nasser. Is that Al Nasser? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's it's been interesting watching all of that and the debate about it because I like again online is not a great space for nuance, but I do think there are different strategies at play here. The the Saudi Arabia owning Newcastle for soft power and or quote unquote sport washing reasons is different from Saudi Arabia using their public investment fund to well a nationalize eight clubs either directly or indirectly, and then buy loads of players to to stock the, the league, the Saudi Pro League. There's different reasons for doing that. Although the Newcastle bid acquisition was apparently wildly popular back in Saudi Arabia amongst a very young population. The, the Saudi Pro League stuff is mostly about internal politics and internal, internal positioning rather than external. And I do think some commentators have not really kind of understood what's going on here very well and and sort of positioned it as, isn't this terrible? And isn't this terrible for the Premier League that all these players are going there? In, like in a way that is some kind of competition between leagues and it's really not what's happening. But anyway, kind of interesting watching it all, isn't it? Yeah, and you wonder how long it'll go on for as well, really. I mean, as long as MBS decides that it should go on for, yeah. basically. It's not way... the same. People compare it to China all the time, and it's not yeah. the same. That was that was private business, which does exist to a sort of extent. In well, Very much does, actually. I mean, if you ever spent a lot of time... I'd spent a lot of China, time in China. It, it feels very capitalist if you're in the big cities on the surface, right? All the big brands are there, and there's a lot of enterprise going on. That was private business taking a sense that there was political will to invest in football. And then they went too far and then there was a big pullback. And so political the political action came after the fact, not before the fact. Whereas in Saudi, it's obviously driven from a, a national strategy for whatever reason. Diversification maybe, but you're not, you know, there's no return on investment on paying... Killian and Mbappe, eight hundred million pounds for a year's worth of work. Yeah, mm. so, yeah, yeah. It's fun to watch, isn't it? And then, mm. then you get obviously the likes of Newcastle flogging off Sam Maximan for thirty million to. Yeah, yeah. I it's it's kind of I have a mixed feeling about that one. One, I think it should not be allowed, or if it's going to be allowed. Like between related parties, you should it should be treated as owner equity injection and not a related party transaction. Mm-hmm. And I think this really does matter because 
And it's a related party transaction. As the Premier League have said, well, it goes to our committee, a related party transaction. Is it fair value? You look at Alan St. Maximan, 30 million euros. Is that fair value? Yeah, probably. Yeah, it is. Yeah. He's, he's, a good, he's a good midfielder, a good forward. Premier League and quite young as well, probably, right? And quite young, yeah. Pr- probably a fair fee, yeah. right? So, and and... We'll see if that was the actual fee. <laughs> we'll work it out later, probably. This will come out in the wash. But it seems like a fair fee. But that's not... When when you treat it like owner equity injection, which is what it really is, they're using two related parties to pass money from one place to another. Then you have a hard cap on it. There's a hard cap on how much owner equity can be put in. And it's not a, it's not a is this fair or is this not fair? Because Newcastle could have 50 sponsors or related transactions and just like, well, it's fair, a million pounds a time. Roman Abramovich used to pay a million pounds for his season ticket. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Used to pay a million pounds for his season ticket. <laughs> that was just a way of putting a million pounds into the club. You know, if if he'd paid ten million pounds, probably someone would have gone, hmm, this is a bit dodgy, but he didn't, right? So Newcastle could do thirty of those transactions and boost their finances that way. Look at how many sponsors that begin with the letter Q are at Paris Saint Germain, right? It's a lot. And and they don't all have to be the you know, big, flashy headline sixty, seventy, a hundred million pounds a year. There can be lots of little ones and they'll go past the the fair value committee. If it's owner equity, there's a hard cap on it. You can put fifteen million pounds a season in owner equity, and it's saying, yeah, these things are the same thing because they are. They're all owned. There's eight clubs in Saudi owned by PIF. Well, four owned by PIF and four owned by businesses that are owned by PIF. <laughs> and there's Newcastle, right? And if we start to see a lot of transactions between them, I think something weird is going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. Ain't modern football wonderful? Yeah. The Newcastle thing is weird. Like, to take it back to football a second, like, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see what they're like next season because I feel like they might really quite struggle because they're not having, they're not like injecting like that much quality into their team, like Harvey Barnes and who else have they signed? I don't know. They've signed someone else, I think, one, one more player. I can't remember. But, yeah, I, I feel like they're, bubble might burst like next season and especially like i say like a lot of teams are getting stronger and stuff and then i think oh, it'll be beautiful to see but then i think i think it'll be the end of how and they'll just i think they'll start to like go again a little bit with a with a different manager a bit like the the, the city experiment with mark hughes and then they went a little bit yeah. different tack but it's, it's interesting to see from a football, yeah. like a footballing perspective how they haven't really moved much this year, this summer, which I, I guess they can't because of FFP, but it's, it's still, I expected them to be shooting for higher than Harvey Barnes. And I think they need to, if they really want to be in the top four. Yeah. Yes. When you see a reserve right back off to Saudi for 20 million quid or a couple of, couple of youth team players, then we'll know something. Yeah. Dodgy is happening. But yeah, no, a, a wider point, yes. It, it'd be interesting to see if people work out how... Because Newcastle were quite defensive last season and uh, and their season was built on the back of not conceding too many goals. Whether the teams in the Premier League like work out a way of breaking them down a little bit. And I feel like they're, they're, they were built on a, a big feel-good factor, like which has been 
apparent since the day that the Saudis took over. Like that, I remember that first game they had where the crowd were going crazy behind them, and I think I think they're still they still lost to Tottenham. But ever since then, it's just been, they've just been on a roll. But I think if start, things start to get a little bit sticky, like that feel good factor, which I think is propelling them so much, is going will start to falter, and I think they will start to falter as well. And I don't think mm. I really don't think they'll finish top four. But I mean, it's a massive segue. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, hopefully. I mean, it's bloody competitive. I mean, if you don't get a striker in, obviously we're in a good position. If we got Kane in, we might even have a shot at the title. I, I don't yeah. really expect us to win it, but I, I think we'd be I'm much, much closer. If I was the owner, regardless of FFP, I'd be chucking quite a lot of money at that one, outbid by and then see what, uh, if there's pressure on the owners to, mm. to sell and then just... You know, believe that you can sell enough players to make your FFP commitment. So that's the way an ambitious owner would do it. Clearly, United haven't had that for quite some time. So, and either way, I think United are going to improve. We've got someone physically better than Ericsson and pretty good creatively, though, although not, I think, not as good in, in Mount, but a good, good squad addition. Obviously, the, the goalkeeper situation, I think, is going to be quite transformational in terms of how United build up. Yeah. He'd expect us to be more creative as a result of that. Garnacho is going to, as long as he stays fit, going to have a great season, I think. And so, so there's uh, Anthony, I think, will progress as well. I think he had a much better season than perhaps given credit for in sort of wider circles. I know United, they, they rate him very highly, Ten Hag does. But, you know, there's a lot of signs that say United should improve. But, 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 you know, Liverpool have have made the additions in midfield that they needed to do. And if they had Lavier as well from Southampton, I mean, I think he's going to be a great addition for them. Yeah. They have a lot of strength there where they were weakest last season. So they're clearly they're going to be competitive. Chelsea, interesting. We'll see what Poch can do with them. They they seem to be unwinding a lot of the mistakes they made last summer. Um, Quite yeah. rapidly as well. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing how some clubs are able to... I mean, it does help when you flog four of your players at the same time to a single entity. That really helped, obviously. And took some losses on some of those players. But, yeah, United just takes a very long time to do any business Mm -hmm. all the time, even on outgoings. Obviously, we got rid of Alanga, but, like, the Henderson deal's still going on. Mm -hmm. A few weeks ago, that seemed like a a done deal. He's injured still. Uh, yeah. Might be might be slowing it down, but yeah, yeah, yeah no, absolutely, yeah. I mean, and then you, well, Cat Forest, but well, this may be one of the reasons. But Forest bought a lad with, lad with a broken leg last summer, but then maybe that's maybe, maybe they've learned from that mistake. <laughs> they were like, uh, hang on, can you play or not? <laughs> no, no one asked about that. Yeah, and, and then they're talking about like Scott, well, rumours of Scott McTominay going for like forty million, isn't there? But I mean. Who's paying that, really? No, I mean, maybe that's a starting point. I mean, obviously, West Ham are flush with cash, and so Maguire and McTominay to West Ham makes sense from a headline perspective. Like, whether it makes sense for West Ham or not, I'm not sure. Mm. So, I mean, Maguire needs to go. He needs to go. He needs to go for himself and for United. So, he got some big cheers in the Arsenal game. I remember we made he made his yeah. first tackle. He got like a massive roar from the crowd. I was like, "Is this a ironic cheer, or is this like a yay? We're here for you, Harry?" Kind of 
kind of yeah, I tell. I've got nothing against him. He's a he's an all right bloke, and he took the what must have been an absolutely humiliation humiliating demotion of having the captaincy stripped from you, which he clearly valued very highly, <laughs> and given to someone else in the team. It must be humiliating. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's it's like doing your initiation song. Uh, you know how footballers have to do that, yeah. and doing it in the nude with the cameras rolling. I mean, it's just as, as bad as it gets, yeah. right? Ten Hag took a shit all over his ego, <laughs> and and he took it quite well. So yeah, it's like fair proxy. I've got nothing against him. I just think for him personally and for United, it's time to say goodbye. And you know, and even twenty five, thirty million, which I think is probably for you know former United captain and England's Harry Maguire, twenty. Nine thirty, whatever he is, is is probably under market value. But even that would have a massive boost for United's FFP position. All right, so Real Madrid tonight, very early in the morning. Will you be staying up to watch Ten Hag's finest take on Madrid's finest? I won't be, but I'll, I'll be watching the game tomorrow. There's a website called footyfull.com for those full football match-watching fans. And, and we can't amazing. endorse piracy at all, but, you know, you've heard from a friend that... Well, I don't know if it's piracy or not. Well, it is, but I don't know if it's piracy or not. I just happened to fall on this website one day and didn't really look at what was on there, apart from all the videos of just full football matches from recent games. And recent yeah. days, and they just have all the United games on there. Wow, coincidence! I don't like. I say I don't know if it's piracy. I don't know what kind of magic it is. It could be magic, but sounds yeah. And I'm not endorsing this website if it is using illegal means. But I just happen to know that this website exists, and it's very good for catching up with very late late night games. Yeah, I will maybe or maybe not going onto that website at some point tomorrow to watch it in retrospect. Yes. So, but yeah, I'm excited though. Like I think Real Madrid have been quite up and down by the sounds of it. I think they've been trying out different things. Yeah. In in preseason, obviously Bellingham's I think has played a couple of different roles. I think that yeah. they were talking about him playing a different role tonight. And yeah, I mean those these games have been massive in there was that one in was it Michigan, wasn't it? Where 110,000 fans. Yeah, yeah. What do they call that name? It's like the Big House or something. I think. Yeah, think it is the Big House. Yeah. yeah. So American, isn't it? <laughs> uh, uh, you know, you know, playing in Houston. I did think for a, a say, I mean, if I hadn't just come back from the UK, I'd have been tempted to go to this one or Vegas. Although I'd heard from some people that probably the atmosphere in Vegas will be crap. Not really, oh, really? sports. Yeah. Oh, it's brand new, big, brand new stadium, but not really a football like crowd there. Although they are trying yeah. to get a franchise, aren't they? An MLS franchise. So. Yeah, they've got the Las Vegas lights. So I think playing the USL, Freddie Adu wants yeah. to play for them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The uh, how anyway, much the, how much was the ticket for tonight? I don't know. They were like eighty dollars, cheapest ones in Vegas. I mean, some people, some folios, paid like five hundred dollars to. To watch United Reserves versus National League Wrexham or League Two Wrexham. Wow. League Two's Wrexham these days, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And this is the thing. I know I'm getting off track here, but you know when there's talk about the 39th game or or all these games being, or more games being played abroad and how it gives access to fans 
And I was having this discussion with Lewis Wiltshire, who used to be a, an editor at the BBC and then went to Twitter and now works for IMG. And I'm not saying anything bad about him here. I was just mentioning him because that's the person I was having the chat with. And he was like, yeah, it's access to all these fans. But that's not how football has been thinking about this. They get tour promoters who sell these games as big events. They sold the the New York old rivalries. So you have to be here for the United Arsenal game. And and for some people, maybe that was, that was really good. I mean... Uh, I mean, there's some rivalries in the uh, stands we didn't talk about, which was fun, punch-ups and stuff mm. like that. But for the most part, the players don't give a shit. They played at half pace. The crowds don't give a shit. And you just kind of wonder what the point is. And then the, the real point I was making is they put the prices are really high. They're really mm. high for some of these games. And, and, the, the, and they're not high because, hey, wonderful access. They're high because they're making money. United make about thirty million pounds. They will from this summer's various preseason activities. It's a commercial entity, and so this is not about expanding access. This is about expanding revenues. If it's about expanding access, they'd have made that game last summer. Was it last summer? They played in Thailand, and there were about three people there because it was like two months' salary for anyone to go to. Is that when we when we won the trophy? Yeah, the giant trophy, <laughs> the Century Cup or whatever it was called. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry, went went off on one there. What was it for the game in New York? Like 120 quid cheapest tickets, 120 dollars like cheapest that. tickets. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Hmm. I mean, at least like when you go to an NFL game. I mean, I, I I almost compare it sometimes to like the NFL games in in the UK, and I. But at least you're getting a regular game there. But the atmosphere still is a like, it's, it's not great. I mean, I'm sure that probably people are listening go to the games, but it's not like you're going to an actual game in the country and, and over there where it's like an amazing atmosphere. It's just kind of a weird atmosphere. And that's what the games like are yeah. over there. And you're and they're also friendly. It's like, and I know, yeah, I guess it's great for United to be coming into your city and that kind of thing. But it's just so much money for. To just be for an inferior product, half-assed game, yeah, 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 yeah. No one really cares. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it's it'll be interesting to watch tonight's game, but it doesn't really mean anything. And then the one in Dort against Dortmund in Vegas. That's the end of the tour, and then the game against RC Lens and Athletic Bilbao, both at Old Trafford, I think. If I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure they are, and that, that'll, that'll be it. And hopefully everyone's ready for for Wolves when uh, the mighty Harry Kane will be uh, lining up for United. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, yeah, he won't be. Yeah, what number is he wearing? Yeah, you're going to rip number nine off Martial. And is it? Wait, is, yeah. is Martial number probably nine? Probably ripping it off him. <laughs> That's the number of games he's been fit for over the last four years of his yeah. contract. Yeah. All right, I think that's it, folks. Enjoy, enjoy the upcoming games, and we'll be back with you soon.